Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with Chris Moss and Jay Peach. Thank you for all your support and kind words since we started this podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO Podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram. In this episode, we look ahead finally to race week one. We are back in Bahrain for the first Grand Prix of the season, over 100 days since we left the Middle East at the end of the last season. We're going to be talking about our favourite Grand Prix of the past, any paddock gossip that we have noticed, and then of course our predictions for the Grand Prix this week. Before we get into talking about uh, this year's Bahrain Grand Prix, let's round up some of the pit lane news that we've had and uh, some of the gossip. We love a bit of a gossip, don't we? Uh, some of the news we've had in Formula One uh, in the past week. Uh, we've had George Russell uh, replacing Roman Grosjean as the uh, Grand Prix Drivers Association director alongside Sebastian Vettel. And, and the GPDA quite influential in and safety of the cars, of course, which saved Grosjean's life uh, only a few months ago in Bahrain. That horrible crash uh, that he experienced. But of course, they're also involved in implementing a lot of, uh, you know, as well as safety, just improvements in the sport in general, maybe how it's run. And sort of, of course, from the driver's perspective, it's a forum for them to give their opinions. Um, George Russell, a, a good appointment, don't you think, Chris? Yeah, absolutely great appointment. He, you know, he's a he's a young gun, so he's got plenty of time uh, to be in Formula One and he's definitely going to have a future uh, with uh, Mercedes very much uh, his forefront. And uh, yeah, so he, he can give a more youthful aspect to mm. uh, the safety and obviously Sebastian Vettel giving, you know, the, the veterans opinion to things. So it could be a very good uh, backwards and forwards between them as to uh, the, th- the things that they want as drivers. Yeah. And how much influence do you think George Russell can maybe have in his role as a director alongside Vettel obviously you say he brings the sort of the young side to him and the experience of Vettel but of course I guess going to the new rules and regulations into next year in 2022 there'll be some probably conversations had about how they look I think all drivers respect each other you know equal amounts um age obviously is just a number we've seen with Kimi Raikkonen and Fernando coming back but I think once you're in a position of where you've got some authority, like George will now have being director, mm. it, will, it will boost his um, respect a little and he, he'll notice little things that maybe he didn't do whilst he was just being as a driver. And he'll obviously want to then implement things that he'll want uh, improving for everyone. It, it won't just be for him. Mm. But, mm. you know, some obviously other drivers might have other concerns that say they might have been not wanting to bring up to other members that now George, you know, if he's got other friends within the paddock that they might want to bring up to him. Yeah. And he's incredibly mature for his age, isn't he? Like he's so level headed and a lot of people calling him a future champion because of this sort of um, measure he has about him. So I think, you know, that kind of will stand him in good stead for the role. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, very, very mature. You've seen that in his interviews after the Grand Prix, you know, he's uh a very very good uh driver and yeah say future world champion in the making for sure and say hopefully he can start off by doing a fantastic role with the gbda mm. and moving on to fernando alonso this week oh boy he's been getting his claws out and really putting his well head uh, above the above the uh above the trenches i guess you could say uh, by saying he's better than lewis kimmy and sebastian vettel uh, all veterans of the sport in their own right um 
of course, Fernando Alonso is one to very much let people know that he's there and has a very big ego and personality to maintain. What did you make of his comments uh, of this week? I mean, it's, it's sort of just playing mind games, really. Mm. I, I mean, he, the car is going to be the one that's going to be doing the talking on the track. Fernando, as we know, has pulled out miracles in cars where they shouldn't have been where they are. Mm. But um, yeah, I think it's it's only when you then put them in the same car you can say whether they're better with fernando's definitely shown that he was better at kimmy during their time at ferrari together but you know it's it's an, it's an interesting thought a lot of fans do think fernando's one of the greatest if not the greatest formula one driver mm. uh and you know he, he definitely had a very very strong fix on that in the mid 2000s um but you know, if if he was to be put into the same car as Lewis or Sebastian, it'd be interesting to see how they'd fare up. Even though Fernando's not been too keen on having either equal state status as drivers or you know being a number two, he, he's he's not one of them for for being like that. Yeah, he's always been very much a protagonist, isn't he? And, and f- talking about the mid two thousands and his sort of obviously his dominant sort of period, he's the most successful time in the sport with, with Renault. He and people very much admire his his ability don't they because he has this certain unique sort of driving style sort of very aggressively throwing around that Renault in in those in those times and I think he's sort of adapted and sort of smoothed out his driving style that kind of brings a lot of those elements from back in those times but also is a little bit more conservative can look after the tires but still drives so fast and his starts he's so well known for his starts they're incredible aren't they the launches he gets off the line yeah, he 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 is an all rounder uh, as an F one driver, and you need to be if you're going to be a world champion. I mean, we've seen it with Kimi. He he had fantastic drives, you know. When, even when he won back in 2018 at the USA Grand Prix, it, it didn't look like he was going to be, but he was consistent. He kept it there, and you know, he he ended up winning Grand Prix. Lewis, you know, he's he obviously has bad moments uh, as every other driver does, mm-hmm. but again, he's an all rounder. He gets pole, gets wins. He you know he controls the tires even though he tells bono that he can't <laughs> and, and, and sebastian the same we saw it in in the 2010s you know constantly at the front able to overtake able to you know pull off miracles when we you know we saw him in abby dabby one year where he started in the pit lane and ended up coming third yeah yeah it was an incredible drive that time um yeah very very much i don't think his ability has ever been doubted um and uh, people understood the situation he was in with McLaren when obviously we had the whole Honda engine saga. Um, but it'd be very interesting to see how he does this time around. And I think if he doesn't make it happen this time, it would probably be, say, his last kind of calling in Formula One, wouldn't you think? You'd think so, but nothing's out of the realm of possibility no. when you've got your name like Fernando Alonso. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. Um, moving on to Roman Grosjean now, obviously Haas driver, for uh, for the team ever since they began uh, in the sport uh, a few years back and uh, it really sad to see him go from the sport obviously in the way that he did as we mentioned earlier with that massive crash in in Bahrain but of course everyone so relieved to see him walk out alive and pretty much with just a couple of burns um, to deal with it's, it's quite remarkable really um, I think everyone sort of felt a lot of empathy in that situation it's moments like that isn't it that makes people kind of reassess 
what they think of people and uh, incredibly brave. And I think a lot of people have sort of found a new appreciation and, and love for, for Roman um, sort of on and off the track. But of course he's not in Formula One this season. He's gone over to IndyCars working on that, but he's still got his hand in uh, Formula One in some ways. Uh, he's agreed to manage the Haas F1 esports team in line with his own uh, esports brand. So that's exciting to still have him around, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, and say Haas has obviously been a big uh, influence in his time in F1. He was there for, say, five, six years since the team came in. And uh, I think it's a good that, you know, they, they've kept in partnership with him. Like, he, he didn't get the goodbyes that he wanted. And, um, you know, he's got his own esports team. That mm. And, you know, the, the fact that they're partnering up, it, it can only be a good thing. And then, say, for the guys that are then going to be within that esports team, to have someone as Roman Grosjean to manage I mean, that's, you know, once-in-a-lifetime thing. Yeah, because we know, obviously, esports has risen so much in the last few years, and we know that simulators have got so much better on on, on games now, actually emulating what it's like in real life to drive on the track. And, obviously, many drivers use Formula 1 games and other simulators to practice and learn the tracks, and they're really accurate now, the way it's sort of the... The, they're scanned into the game as it sort of captures every bump and every sort of uh, you know uh, undulation on the tracks as well and and sort of all the curbs as well that might cause drivers trouble in the race so it's it's really um you know it's been really cool to see how esports has become a a big thing in itself racing um as well being so competitive and having someone yeah having someone like roman on board is is incredible and uh, later on in this uh series we will be talking to uh, something of esports legend in the last couple of years. Um, we're very much looking forward to that. Um, both myself and Chris have raced in esports Formula One leagues in the past, and Chris, I, I believe you're racing in one at the moment, and it's going okay, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was esports, but yeah, it's a bit, of, <laughs> bit of fun on a Sunday bit night. Amateur league, yeah. But we're looking forward to um, having a really exciting guest on the podcast in a few weeks' time, uh, all to do with esports. So if you're into your Formula One gaming. Um, and sort of uh, aspiring to be an esports driver, then uh, you'll want to listen to that. So stick around for that. Uh, we'll give you details as we go along. Uh, this week as well, Williams have hired Francois Xavier Damerson as their new technical director. He had a, a decade-long stint with Volkswagen in the World Rally Championship and uh, other projects before making the move to uh, F1 and Williams. Um, very exciting to have a Volkswagen kind of influence in the sport. We've heard that they're, you know, they could possibly field a team in Formula One in the next few years and of course if Formula One is heading more towards this electric route um, it's quite exciting to see someone perhaps of that experience coming into the sport and trying to guide Williams of course in the first place to back to some sort of successful winning days. Yeah absolutely um, I know his time in the WRC they, they were getting things done with electrics so he's definitely got that sort of side to him to help if F1 does head more into the uh, sort of E-series, not going in with Formula E, mm. but it's obviously going greener. So he's got that sort of um, mindset to uh, help the team there. But obviously Volkswagen's a big brand, big name. You know, we see him in things like DTM and obviously the World Rally Championship. He, he's going to go there to try and build up the Williams team. And hopefully, you know, next year, because Williams are investing a lot in people. They, they want to be near the front mm. again. So, you know, hopefully mm. getting people like Francois Xavier can 
get them to become a front-level team again. Yeah, New direction since Frank and obviously Claire have stepped aside from the team. But yeah, it's exciting to see um, where Williams will go very much so. And talking of Williams and Jensen Button, um, he has withdrawn from the DTM this, this year, um, maybe because he's got quite a lot on his plate with an Extreme E team uh, and also being an advisor for Williams. But uh, yeah, Jensen's going to be around a bit, but I don't think he'll be too bothered, will he? not being on the grid for maybe another year to until 2022? Yeah, I think that there's just a few sort of things that uh, they've come across that they're just not entirely ready for for this season. Mm. So I think a bit like what Haas did, they, they took a year away from before they were supposed to come in and then say they're going to be ready, hopefully for a better and stronger 2022 season for where they can uh, challenge with, you know, I think McLaren yeah. would be the first time they've ever competed in DTM. Yeah. No, it'd be very exciting, and um, they've certainly got the cars for it, haven't they? And the and delivery for it, so it'd be very exciting to see how that goes. Um, and of course, Alex Albon in DTM this this uh, this season as well. So uh, if Jensen Button's not in it, at least we've got another um, ex Formula One or ex Formula One, you know, taking a break at the moment. It'd be good to see how Albon does in that series. Um, very much so. Very sadly, this week, I'm, I'm it's so sad in the community at the moment. We're losing all these legendary names. We lost Murray Walker recently. Um, as well, and Shabin Schmitz, and now um, now Johnny Dumfries, who was very famously the teammate of Ayrton Senna at Lotus in '86. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, what, what could we say about Johnny? We we've all seen the archive, haven't we, Chris? Of sort of him battling with Senna, and of sort of Senna very much took the limelight, but Johnny had his own moments, didn't he? He did, and uh, you know Martin Brundle, you know he 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 was the one that paid tribute to him on on Twitter when when he passed away sadly this week. And he, he described him as a wonderful man and a fast driver. And, you know, Mark Martin was racing back then. He would have known him better than most, you know. Mm. And, I mean, to have, you know, such kind words said about you during a time of quite ruthlessness if, in Formula One, you know, just says a lot about how good of a man he was and how good of a driver to, you know. Even now, people still talk about him because of Senna, but... They talk mm. about him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and you know he wasn't overshadowed by Senna, but when you have a teammate like that at the, at the time, it's it's quite um, it's quite hard to sort of stand out. But um, he gave him a run for his money, I guess. That Lotus as well, very notoriously so difficult to drive. I mean, you've seen all the. Um, you know the archive races and a particular one where where Senna was driving I think in, in Australia in in around about that year or the year previous and the car was just, it just used to squirrel so much and trying to control those cars I mean you know all of us as fans we have so much admiration don't we for anyone who crazily decided to get in those cars and drive fast around the track so you know of course, he'll be remembered for uh, his time in Formula One. I'm sure, no doubt, um, come Bahrain this weekend as well. Um, and moving back to Williams quickly, uh, Jos Capito um, is now off to the new team principal for Williams. Has some Volkswagen uh, links as well in the past, so very much see the direction and maybe the group that's forming uh, behind Williams to take it further on. But I've read an article this week. His his ambitions, Yossi's ambitions for the team. He's very much being realistic, but um, trying to move forward and maybe you know get a bit further away from Haas and further back into the midfield. How how realistic do you think that uh, an ambition is for Williams? I think for a name like Williams, it, it's not going to be too ambitious. I think with Frank and Claire leading, I think money was very much a, a, a hardship for them. Mm. They they just didn't have the finances or the resources to battle with the likes of the 
Mercedes like they did back in 2014 when literally everything was a fresh start. I think, say, next year we've got major regulation changes. Hopefully, everyone being back onto a level field will bring them back into the field. Yeah, no, it'd be lovely to see them back up there again. And um, maybe we have those moments where we saw them doing really well at Silverstone and Austria around, the, you know, a few years ago in sort of the mid-10s. Uh, that'd be great to see. Um, and just quickly, ITV announcing that the motorsport is coming back to them uh, in, in terms of sort of, uh, well, they've obviously got the British Touring Car Championship on ITV4, but they're now going to be showing coverage of Extreme E. Um, are you excited for Extreme E? There's obviously been a lot of buzz around the series with a lot of Formula One uh, um, sort of drivers currently and previous involved with that. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting one. I think say a lot of current drivers and past drivers have even got their own sort of teams to go into extreme. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting, you know, to see who does what and you know what it's gonna be like. I, I've mm. I don't, I've not really watched much extreme motorsports. Um, like even the car, I just sort of hear about it. Yeah, like you know when fernando took part but other than that i don't i don't really pay attention to it so you yeah. know to see it on tv you know it'd be interesting to give it a watch and you know who knows i like it well that was all the juicy goss from this past week as we head into the first race of the 2021 season in bahrain um but let's take just a look back on some of our favorite grand prix around bahrain and um, chris i reckon there's one that stands out for for me and you both equally but um just so i'm not on the wrong page uh, which which year stood out for you uh, i mean i think i think the one that stood out was it's, it's got to be the first night race 2014 mm. you know the the absolute duel of the desert between the two mercedes pure dominance all over the grand prix you know from practice to qualifying to the race the constant battles between hamilton and rosberg you know even when there was a late safety car they both pulled away <laughs> instantaneously mm. to then constantly battle side by side going up towards turn four overtaking each other left right and center you know, on completely different tyres as well. I think Hamilton was on the hards and Rosberg on the mediums. Yeah, there was variables you know, at play. It was. And, you know, even when Hamilton crossed the line to win the Grand Prix, when they both pulled up into the pits for Part Ferme, <laughs> both of them jumped out the cars, celebrated together. It was an incredible moment to watch. You know, they, they were two great friends at the time. They were celebrating like it you know, like it was. And, you know, that, that was before the massive hype of the mercedes dominance mm. this literally was the very first moment of seeing the dominance but also what a grand prix it was nobody had seen much like this especially in bahrain but yeah it was just an incredible incredible race to watch and we speak a lot about you know rivalries and titans batting in the past you know we of course think back to prost and senna uh, and you know, and people like that, Schumacher, possibly with, you know, Damon Hill in in those times. Um, but all these uh, legendary rivalries that we've 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 kind of seen over the years. This was kind of the newest rivalry we'd seen. But also, I guess you don't see it as much these days because when you have a top team flying high, um, of course, team orders have always been at play. But um, you know, teams are very very slick nowadays very conservative in their choices a lot of the time you know trying to stick to a plan um so when there wasn't team orders given in this race it was such a relief wasn't it for the sport to see um such an entertaining race and which we hadn't probably had in quite a long time 
No, saying up until 2010, team orders were banned until uh, mm. Hockenheim when Felipe Massa got that message, Fernando is faster <laughs> than you. Um, to which then, obviously, team orders were not banned for the following season. But yeah, Mercedes have always said from the outgo that they're never going to, you know, interfere in races unless it's for the championship, which we've mm. seen recently, you know, and... Um, yeah, they, Hamilton and Rosberg were both fighting for the championship constantly and not at any time did either of them want to give up positions and if they did, they always gave it back, you know, afterwards. Mm. And yeah, it just sort of shows the trust that Mercedes had in their drivers to race like they do. Yeah. In all seriousness, there wasn't that many contacts. I think there were maybe about four no. or four over the course of, you know, two or three seasons some of them were quite big obviously mm. spain 2016 uh-huh. being and spa. Probably, yeah and, and spa 2014 probably being the biggest ones um for for the team yeah but overall you know that they race very very hard against each other but they did it in a very entertaining way yeah and to be able to race that closely with each other you've got to you know they you both got to trust in each other's ability and respect each other's positions and as much as they were gunning for each other they did they did very much do that so yeah i've got i think that's one of the best races ever in in sort of my time watching formula one without a doubt it's certainly up there for this kind of the entertainment the sheer entertainment value that we had from that race um and just looking back now to maybe some of our other favorite grand prix but maybe maybe not favorite for just entertainment ways but um back to 2010 we were talking about um, sort of team orders there and all of that. Um, Bahrain, the track then we've we've had we've had three different layouts now in the past ten or so many years, and it's very rare for the tracks to change that much. But we had that really it was kind of technical alternate circuit, wasn't it? So after turn four, they went into this really sort of twisty and and quite technical section. What did you make of that circuit? Because we haven't seen that since twenty ten. I quite enjoyed the circuit. Uh, you know, it changed it up. They were celebrating 60 years of Formula One, which is why they, they created this new part of the circuit. And I, I quite enjoyed it. And, you know, I thought when this year they were talking about they're going to have two Bahrain Grand Prix, I was thinking that they were going to bring it back for this year. Yeah, yeah. But um, they ended up still following majority of the path, but then just turning left instead of right as to what that <laughs> track did. And... Um, yeah, doing a doing a third circuit, but mm. no, it, it, it you know Fernando was in his debut at Ferrari that season, and he wiped the floor. You know, he mm. won his Grand Prix. You know, showed what he had in a Ferrari, and yeah, he took that track, and he's the the only race winner of that track. Uh, not not many people can say they've got a hundred percent win record at a track. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's not going to be beat, beaten anytime soon, is it? So, um, no, I, I liked that track. I'd like to see it come back. Would you like to see maybe at, at circuits we go to each year? I know that they've reprofiled um, one of the turns at Catalonia as well for this season, going into the third sector. That's been reprofiled. Would you like to see tracks change a little bit, maybe from sort of every three years, and maybe just mix up the layout slightly? Um, I don't know. It kind of depends on the track. Like, I know Spa's mm. had quite a few reprofilings, especially around the bus stop chicane. That, yeah. That's completely changed from what it was in the 90s. I know Hockenheim's obviously changed from where you used to go into the forest. That's now you mm. don't go into the forest. Um, 
but sometimes you kind of just miss the old tracks like, yeah i do i do miss watching that old hockenheim circuit it, it was a good circuit for what it was you know and there's a, there's a lot of history behind it and obviously silverstone has had its uh changes as well in the last sort of 20 years it's you know going into Luffields has changed you you know got the Wellington straight now yeah um obviously we've lost where abby was going under uh the bridge um yeah circuits change i mean that circuit's still obviously there but they've reprofiled and made a bigger circuit for the grand prix mm. i think it it works sometimes sometimes it obviously doesn't work clearly in bahrain they didn't feel like it worked i, I quite enjoyed the track yeah um i quite enjoyed the current track as well to be fair um it's probably one of my say going back to the esports thing like whenever i go on the f1 game it's probably <laughs> one of my favorite tracks yeah uh, it's just, got everything hasn't it really and it's yeah. got that technical section it's got the long straights and um and kind of it's got good overtaking opportunities as well yeah for sure and you know obviously looking back now we have a lot more new circuits on the calendar than we mm. do classic circuits but bahrain is probably one of the the nicer easier to overtake mm. you know not too many uh dangers uh, as in like the gravel traps unless you max yeah. stop and go into turn four <laughs> uh, to, to sort of catch you out so it's kind of a very fast flowing track yeah yeah no very much uh looking forward to the race um but uh, yeah, I would say 2014 is pretty hard to beat. Um, but of course, we had Perez last year. Um, that incredible victory. Uh, his first victory in Formula 1, which is just incredible for, for the racing point. Obviously, their last race before they came Aston Martin. I mean, that was just a stuff of dreams, wasn't it? And sort of an instant classic because of how the race unfolded and, and what went on. Um, do, do you think we might see something like that again? It's quite hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, it would be good if we did see something like that. You know, we see, I don't know, someone like a Lando Norris or a George Russell win a race, like either in the McLaren or the Williams. That, that would be fantastic to see. Yeah. But, you know, I think because we're going back to the Grand Prix circuit, I think it's going to be pretty much business as usual. You're going to see the top teams be at the front, you know, and it will probably be very much, or oh, I hope to be big battles at the front between, you know, a few teams. Mm. but if not i think it's going to be business as usual whoever whoever's going to be fastest in qualifying is going to take off yeah very much all right well uh that's uh that's looking back at some of the past let's now move on to this weekend's grand prix okay looking ahead then to the first race of the 2021 season around sack here um quick team recap then i mean who who you think in sort of leading into this of course we've had testing we've had the doubters play on our minds about mercedes and their performance and we're sort of seeing that it's going to maybe perhaps be mercedes versus red bull very much going to that into the race then this weekend um are you still kind of believing that chris yeah i think red bull and mercedes are definitely going to be the two teams uh to beat I'd like to hope McLaren are going to be there as well. It'd be nice to see McLaren on the podium again. Are you thinking that we might see any surprises this weekend? Maybe um, Alpine would perhaps throw it up a, a surprise podium or we could see uh, Aston Martin finding their form out of nowhere, um, going off of testing and sort of building on their victory last time out. 
Yeah, I, I, I can see something like that happening just for the fact that, you know, it's the first race of the season. Reliability shouldn't be mm. a thing in terms of like mm. engines blowing up. But at the same point, it is the first race of the season. There still could be teething problems. We saw that in testing with the Mercedes team and Aston Martin. They had a lot of teething problems. Who's to say that they're not going to get anything like that in the race? I know Mercedes have said that they've cleared a lot of their issues up. But it's not until race day where you find out, oh, we didn't do this. Oh, yeah. Th- this this didn't happen. <laughs> it's too late now. Yeah, you know, and we, we've we've always seen over the past seven years that the Mercedes team do struggle behind cars, so potentially mm. overheating in the desert could be uh, a big thing for them. Yeah, and, and just to mention quickly as well, we've got the shorter practice sessions on that now, so teams have less time on the Friday to get their data for the track. Um, do you think that could play some role in in sort of the? finishing order we see across the weekend i think whichever driver out of any of the out of any of the 20 that have any issues in terms of track time that they're going to suffer i mean it's all well and good having your teammates data but your teammate doesn't drive how you drive you you potentially have two completely different driving styles and yeah it it could be beneficial on one hand you might get a bit of data but the only real data you want is to be on the track yourself. Yeah, no, and uh, hopefully we will uh, see a bit of a mix-up because that's what we like as fans, isn't it? We like the unexpected and that's what brings the entertainment value. But you can't maybe write off Mercedes. It would be silly to just think that they're not in the race now um, given their testing performance where, as we know, they could have been hiding their true pace and and, and maybe Red Bull as well. Maybe Red Bull have got more to more to show and they were hiding it. So you never know. And also Alpha Tauri who were looking strong uh, at the test with Sonoda as well. So uh, yeah, very exciting then. Let's look at our top three predictions for Sunday's race, Chris. Um, and also poll on Saturday. Who's going to get polled, do you think? And um, what do you think the top three will be? What are we going to see on Sunday? So for poll... Just for the fact that I'd love to see it, Sergio Perez. It's first race for <laughs> Wait, Red- really? First race for Red Bull. He's had second place a few times. He's been in the top four so many times. Never got that pole position. Lance Stroll obviously getting it for him uh, for the racing point mm. team. So he, he he wants that pole position. And uh, I, I'd like to see Sergio get it, if I'm all honest. How about you? What, what's your prediction for pole? I think Max Verstappen is certainly in the running, um, going off of his testing pace. And, um, you know, he's he's not done too much media leading up to this. He seems like he's been very focused on getting ready for the season and um, very much getting his head in the game. So I think Max Verstappen's going to be really on top of his game. And I think he can sense and sniff a bit of a chance at the start of the season to hit the ground running and uh, ruffle a few feathers. So that's how I think it's going to possibly get pole. So, so, so we both think Red Bull's got pole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do uh, by the looks of it. Although, uh, if you've been listening to earlier podcasts uh, this series on Around the Outside, you would have heard me predict Red Bull finishing sixth. Um, so, um, you know, there might be a few mismatches on predictions as we go forward. Um, it'd be interesting Sounds to like see. Sounds like you're not getting an Andos. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also, if you haven't listened to previous podcasts as well, you wouldn't have heard the little wager that Chris has thrown down. So if Red Bull do finish sixth or lower, um, I've been promised Hernando's from him. So yeah, that's uh, that's how confident you are. Um, but uh, as I say, our predictions could very much seem different going as we go throughout the season. And uh, those predictions, to be fair, were made early on. So, you know, things can change. 
very much so. Teams evolve, teams develop. Um, but that's who I'm... <laughs> but yeah. your predictions cannot. By my predictions cannot, no. They cannot change. Um, we'll be eating my words probably at the end of the season. Um, which is a good thing, which means it's been mixed up. Which, you know, it's only, only going to be good for the sport. Um, let's look at our top three then, Chris, for, for Sunday. What's what's your thoughts? Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I, I'm, I'm going to say... I want three different teams on the podium. I don't think it'll happen, but I'm going to go for three different teams. So mm. I'm going to say um, somehow Lewis is going to win the race. Okay. Checo is going to come second. And then why not Fernando Alonso third? So we're basically when you're saying Alonso third... Perez second and Hamilton first. You're basically predicting Max Verstappen's going to crash out again, or get be involved in some incident. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I think Max is going to win the race, but and then I think it's going to be the two Mercedes um, filling up the podium. I think it's going to be Hamilton followed by Bottas. So that's my top three. Uh, what do you think? Interesting, interesting. You're going, yeah. going safe this time on like your uh, team podium. I am uh, going team. safe. <laughs> I am because I don't want to be predicting Alfa Romeo or someone to win a race in the first race hey, or I, so. Or I, I, said they could, I said they could win a race. I never said they will win a race. There's a difference. <laughs> well, uh, that's our predictions for the race. Um, we would love to uh, know your predictions as well. Uh, follow us on socials. We are at Around the Outside Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram. We're at ATO Podcast. We're going to be putting up uh, a post there uh, about this podcast that you'll see uh, about this episode uh, so we'll be asking for your predictions uh, let us know in the comments and uh, in the dms as well let us know we'd love to hear from you um so yeah that's it for this episode this week uh, for bahrain very much looking to forward to the race next week of course we've got um a couple of weeks in a gap and in that first race week gap that we have we're going to be doing these special episodes where we're still talking about formula one but obviously we're not talking about the race too much uh, obviously we'll review it a little bit but we've got a guest on next week's episode we're going to be having guests in these gaps that there isn't a race and doing some really cool episodes around topics around formula one but also other motorsport um formulas as well and kind of just aspects of formula one and looking at maybe different things you wouldn't think of as well um sort of maybe more behind the scenes um sort of fans that kind of thing and talking of fans we're going to be looking at what it's like to be a McLaren superfan next week here on the show um, with Sarah Merritt. She's a self-professed McLaren superfan and has had quite the journey in the last few years uh, in terms of, of supporting that team. So it'd be great to have her on the podcast next week and see um, how committed you have to be to be a superfan. I mean, me and Chris, you know, we'd count ourselves as pretty you know passionate hardcore. fans wouldn't we hardcore yeah but we might be uh proved totally wrong next week when we talk to sarah we'll, we'll, so, we'll end up being novices by the end of the episode yeah exactly week. be like oh my god you've got this merchandise you've got a steering <laughs> wheel oh my god um so yeah hope very much hope you can join us on the podcast next week for for that um for now it's jake and chris here with around the outside do take care and uh, enjoy the first race see you soon Thank you.